Welcome to Scaling Up H2O, the podcast where we're scaling up all knowledge so we don't scale up our systems. Hello, Scaling Up Nation. Trace Blackmore here. So excited to be with you today. As you know, I had a great time at the Association of Water Technologies annual convention and expo. I met so many people there. So many people came up to me and said how much they enjoy the Scaling Up H2O podcast. I got to tell yeah, I love that. A lot of people gave me some new information on some new people they want me to seek out and interview. And folks, I got to tell you, there were so many great presentations there. I plan on having many of those people that gave those presentations on in the upcoming year so you can hear from them on Scaling Up H2O. So it was just a great convention. It's my hope if you miss this one, you make it the last one that you miss and you go to the next one. The next one is in Palm Springs. Palm Springs is a great place if you have never been there before. But most importantly, you get to meet me. I love to meet members of the Scaling Up Nation. And I got to tell you, that's exactly what happened at this past convention in Orlando. I met an individual named Chandler Mancuso. And Chandler, you actually heard a brief interview that I did with him last week when I interviewed all the CWTs that stuck around when they received their plaque that said that they had attained the CWT designation. It was my pleasure to shake every one of their hands as they came off stage, even gave them a scaling up t-shirt. Folks, that I tell you is one of the proudest moments I have because that to me lets me know that that water treater has decided that they want to be the best that they can in this industry and nobody makes you on the customer side become a certified water technologist. That is something that you and your company decide that you want to spend the time and the resources doing in order to achieve And those people did that. They're doing that because they want to make the industry the best that they can be. Well, Chandler came up to me, told me how much he enjoyed the show, and we had a great conversation after the interview. I actually snuck up on him a couple of times in the convention hall. And just a really impressive guy. Now, I'm going to tell you, he holds a title that I used to hold. Now, I'm not bitter about it, but I'm going to tell you that when I was 26 years old, I received the Certified Water Technologist designation. And for years and years and years and years and years, I was the youngest CWT that we ever had. Now, somebody else had that title, and I don't remember who that was, and I apologize. And there probably that was traded around back and forth. But now Chandler holds that title for the youngest CWT. Folks, you know how much in high esteem I hold the Certified Water Technologist designation. So I want to make sure that the Scaling Up Nation gets a chance to meet Chandler Mancuso, the youngest CWT. So I hope you enjoy my interview with Chandler Mancuso. My lab partner today is Chandler Mancuso of Plymouth Technologies. How are you, Chandler? I'm doing great today, Trace. How are you? I am doing awesome, especially since the fact that you are on Scaling Up. And Chandler, you and I did not know each other very well until this last AWT convention where we got to sit down and talk and get to know each other. And I understand that you are an avid listener of Scaling Up H2O. I am indeed. 
So let me ask, what is your favorite episode of Scaling Up H2O? My favorite episode, you know, the one about White Ross was very, very good. I liked that one a lot. I think you had the folks from uh, Chris Nagel, maybe from Evapco. Uh, on right, there. right. I had a really good time with that one. I learned a lot. And then uh, Jim Lukinich as well. I learned a lot from him as well in his uh, in his conversation with you on scaling up. So I think those two are probably my two favorite ones to date. All right. Nobody's keeping score. Just curious. I have to tell you, Chandler, I was so impressed with you. Uh, I mean, you you in your own right are an awesome water treater. And I'm going to tell a Scaling Up Nation your age, if you don't mind. <laughs> yeah, no, go for it, Trace. You are 22 years old and you have a certified water technologist designation. Dude, that is amazing. That is incredible. We're going to talk today about how you did it, why you did it, some tips you can give the Scaling Up Nation. But before we do that, tell the Scaling Up Nation a little bit about Chandler Mancuso. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I actually grew up on the west side of Michigan, about 30 miles outside of Grand Rapids in a smaller town. And when I was 17, I graduated high school. Uh, My twin sister and I moved over to the metro Detroit area, about 30 miles outside of Detroit. And that was so that I could go to Oakland University. And I was studying, ultimately got my degree in environmental science and with a minor in biology. While I was at OU was when I started at Plymouth, and then after I had graduated uh, from OU, which was last May, uh, then I became technical coordinator uh, for Plymouth. And then I took a year off of school after I had graduated with my undergraduate degree, and it was during that time period that I got my CWT and my lead GA, which I think we're going to talk a little bit about later as well. And then just about a month and a half ago, I returned to Oakland so that I could go for my master's degree in chemistry. And here we are today. Awesome, man. That's incredible. Well, I have noticed that chemical engineers and environmental science majors do very well in the water treatment industry. And I want to ask an environmental science degree holder, why do you think that is? You know, it's funny because really the degree did help me more than I had thought that it was going to. And I was nervous about having this degree going into this field because you really don't learn a whole lot directly about water treatment. However, the more that I learned about the specifics of water treatment, the more that I realized that a degree such as environmental science really does give you the sort of substrate concepts that you need in order to learn the specifics about water treatment. And I think that it does that better than a lot of other degrees that you can get uh, while you're in school. So I think for that reason, I really, I think that it's almost with my advantage at this point that I was able to get the degree in environmental science. Were there any things that translated from the classroom to the actual field? You know, it's funny because like I said, you really don't learn a whole lot about water treatment directly, but you can sort of synthesize concepts and therefore you realize that you knew more about water treatment than you did. Uh, Like, for example... You know, you learn about ocean acidification and things like that in environmental science. You learn about the solubility of carbon dioxide in water to generate carbonic acid, and then therefore that lowers the pH of the oceans. And if you kind of think about it, that's sort of the exact same thing that happens in condensate. That's the whole reason why we have to apply neutralizing amines. And so more and more, I kept realizing how these areas in environmental science that seemed unspecific to water treatment actually did sort of help me understand concepts moving forward in this industry. I'm curious, how did you go from the classroom to getting a job with Plymouth? What transpired to make that happen? 
Yeah, so you know, just like everybody else, I really did not have a very direct route going into the water treatment industry. I actually had a conversation with my environmental science faculty advisor because I actually went into Oakland with an environmental science major in a chemistry minor. And then after having a conversation with her, she said, you know what, just based off this conversation that we're having, I think you might actually be better off with a minor in biology. And I figured, well, she's spoken to a lot of kids my age before and probably knows better than I do what I want to do with my life. So I switched <laughs> over to uh, yeah, so I switched over to a minor in biology. And then I went back to her a little bit later and I was just like, you know what, before I write this whole, you know, quote, environmental chemistry thing off, I do want to try it first. Do you have any opportunities that you can think of where where I can sort of get my hands on this stuff and really just get a feel for whether or not I'm going to like it. And she said, yeah, well, there's this water treatment company right down the street called Plymouth Technology. See if they have any opportunities for you. And so I did. I, I reached out to Plymouth and sure enough, they did. And, and so when I was in school, I, I did start working for Plymouth. And then, you know, I started spending summers there when I didn't have classes and started to work a lot more hours and really started to get a better feel and a deeper understanding of what the industry was like. And so that's when I really started to enjoy it more was when I had a lot of dedicated time and experience in the industry. And then the summer before I graduated, I actually did my honors college thesis in conjunction with Plymouth. We did it on uh, boron removal from fracking flowback water, and then that was super successful, and, and I thought that that was super interesting. And so I just kind of found myself getting deeper and deeper into the industry, and now I absolutely love it. Well, that's awesome. We have a similar arrangement, it sounds like, that Oakland had with Plymouth. Uh, our school is Georgia Gwinnett College, and we're just starting that relationship. But I'm so proud that out of that endeavor, somebody like yourself came from that. So hopefully we'll have some good luck with that as well. Absolutely. And, you know, the thing is that's sort of difficult about pulling people from college to into the water treatment industry is that nobody goes into college saying, I want to be a water treater. So you either have to take somebody who doesn't know what they want to do yet and convince them that they want to be a water treater, or you have to take somebody who thinks they already know what they want to do and then convince them otherwise to be a water treater. And so I think that that deep relationship between a company and the college or the university can help a lot in terms of getting people uh, into this industry. So Chandler, give me some therapy here. What are some specific things that I can do at my company to help facilitate that? Oh, you know, that's a good question. Obviously, internships are a big thing. And, and you know, internships and having people who are really dedicated to teaching the people who are just new to the industry. Because, you know, when you have an intern and you have somebody who doesn't think that they know anything about water treatment, it, it can be a highly disorienting experience because it really is a complex industry. And you do have to know a lot in order to begin to feel comfortable in the industry. And so I think that having somebody there to answer the questions, to get them up to speed, to simplify things. Things, I think it makes the industry less intimidating. And I think that that allows them to get the information that they need to really start feeling like they're comfortable and, and enjoying themselves in this industry. Well, you should start billing me now. That's great advice. <laughs> Thanks. Appreciate that. Well, you mentioned at the top of the show that you also have your lead green associate. So if you're okay, I want to talk about that for a little bit. Absolutely. Let's do it. So a lot of people in the water treatment industry, they might know a little bit about LEED because a customer says, hey, our building is getting certified and now you've got to do something to help us get certified. You obviously had that conversation at one point or another and decided, you know, I don't want to just be involved in the process. I want to be part of the process and get my LEED green associate. So 
How did you come to that conclusion? What were some of the things that transpired to lead you to that? And then after that, we'll talk about what you did to actually get your lead GA. Yeah. So, you know, when it comes to making the decision, I really had no idea that a certification in that area existed until your podcast, Trace. But then once I realized that there was a certification uh, in that sort of part of the industry, I decided that it might not be a bad idea for somebody at Plymouth to have that certification, to be that involved in that part of the industry. So that way, when inevitably we end up in a situation where we need to provide a water treatment program to somebody who is operating a lead building, we have the level of comfortability and a level of knowledge that we need to be able to take that on. And so I didn't want us to have to deny ourselves from those sorts of of businesses uh, simply because of fear of the unknown. And so there are green buildings going up everywhere, and I feel like it's only a matter of time before you know we start making our way into that industry. And so I wanted to make sure that we were prepared for it. That's awesome. I had no idea you learned about the Lee GA from this show. How cool is that? I did. Yeah, no, it was awesome. So did you go through the affiliate training course that we do through Charlie Cicchetti's company? I did not, no. So what I did was once I signed up for the exam, the website does a very good job of providing you with, with materials that you need. I used the Lead Core Concepts Guide and the Lead Green Associate uh, Exam Preparation Guide, and you can buy them in a bundle, and it's fairly inexpensive. And uh, they were really, really good resources uh, of information. I think that the vast majority of the material that was on the examination came from from that material. So they definitely would recommend using that material as a as well if somebody is looking to go for it. Well, obviously anybody can order the material, but you had a plan that was set up where you were going to study a little bit and you were going to quiz yourself and whatever you did worked. Can you mind sharing with the Scaling Up Nation what that plan was? Yeah. So, you know, because I really didn't know, didn't know what the material was necessarily about at first, I had no idea really how I was going to approach it at first. However, the Exam preparation guide does a very good job of sort of guiding you and, and giving you the initiative and the direction that you need uh, in order to successfully acquire all of the information. And in fact, online they even have you know these like 14-day and 30-day plans and things like that over the material that you want to go through. And so basically, what I was doing is you know something that I always do whenever I'm taking a standardized exam is understand the material first and memorize it second. And so that was pretty much the game plan the entire time. I would get through a chapter, I would understand it, then I would memorize it, and then I would take in you know a quiz or an exam or something like that on that material. And then if I felt comfortable with it, then I would move forward. Awesome. Now let me ask, now that you are ready to take the lead green associate exam, what was that process like? And walk us through you actually going to the testing center. Yeah, so I believe it's actually fairly similar to the way that you have to do it for the CWT exam in that I, when I was ready to schedule it, there was a link on the USGBC website, and then you are then directed to Prominent, I believe, is the testing agency that provides the exam. And then you just look up an exam location or a testing location near you, and they have a map online that does that for you. And then once you click on that testing location, they give you date and times that are available for you to go in there and take it. And then you just sign up for that date and time, and then you show up at that testing center at the appropriate date and time and then you're ready to rock. And you knew when you hit finished if you passed or not. You do, yeah. And just like the uh, the CWT exam, when you walk out the door, you know whether or not you passed. 
So how heavy is your finger when you hit the yes button? Are you finished? <laughs> Are you sure? Oh, it's, it's horrible. I, you know, and, and those, the CWT and the lead GA were the only two exams where that was the case, where I knew how I was going to do right after I hit that send button. And so you start thinking about all the potential mistakes that you could have potentially made <laughs> through that process and whether or not you need to go back and, and revise those or not. But, uh, you know, eventually you just didn't trust yourself and then you pull the trigger on it. And, uh, Thankfully, both times I came out happy. Have you had an opportunity since you received that designation to use it? You know, not directly yet. However, I should say the one thing that I did not expect to get out of that designation that I ultimately did acquire, which I think has been awesome and sort of a secondary benefit, is that I really did learn a lot more about the perspectives of people who are owning and operating and managing these types of buildings, and that you can apply to whether the building is a green building or not. Learning about the processes, the challenges, and things like that that people who are operating and working on these buildings have to deal with really actually is shed on a little bit in the uh, Lead Green Associate material. So I was super glad that that was part of it because I think that that can translate to any of our customers. Yeah, I found for myself, it really gives me a common language to speak with the property managers and the owners that I don't know if I would have had had I not gone for the lead GA and now I'm a, I'm a lead AP O&M after that. So have you noticed some of your conversations with some of your customers changing because you know what they're thinking, the words they're using, and maybe what they're even preparing for to get their building certified? Yeah, absolutely. I do think that that is the case. And in addition to that, I think that you can do a better job of preparing your customers for a program that works for them, for a water treatment program that works for them. If you know their challenges, if you know their demands, and if you know what they want, then you can do a better job of tailoring your program to their their needs and their demands. So I think that that definitely is the case. Another thing you can do to learn more about LEAD is you can listen to the podcast where I interview Charlie Cicchetti of Green Building Education Services, and that is episode four. So go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash four, and he tells us all about what it is to have a LEAD program and also how to get your LEAD designations, whether those are the Green Associate or the AP. Let's talk about the Certified Water Technologist designation that you have. And again, I'm going to say you're 22. And I'm going to say it out to the Scaling Up Nation. I'm sure there's some people out there that are saying, 22, how can you be 22 and get a CWT? So let's talk about that. And actually, before we do, I want to let the Scaling Up Nation know that I snuck up on Chandler and Chelsea Standish in the middle of a conversation. And these were two PhD level people going after how they were going to attack this problem. You guys were... That was an impressive conversation. You are an impressive dude. So anybody that doubts that a 22-year-old can have a CWT, you have not spoken with Chandler. And after this episode, I don't think there's going to be any doubt that he has put the effort in. So I want to talk a little bit about that effort. And I want to talk about how can you be 22 and get a CWT? <laughs> yeah, so uh, first of all, I think Chelsea Standish just made me sound really good in that conversation. But other than that, um, you know, when it comes to being 22 and getting the CWT, 
Uh, well, the first thing is that you have to start in the industry young, very young, in order to uh, have the experience that you need in order to achieve that CWT designation by the time that you are 22. And so I started here when I was when I was 18 at Plymouth. And so that was a huge, huge benefit. Actually, I couldn't have done it without that. Uh, and second, I did, you know, my boss and, and my mentor, he did a very good job of pushing me to do these things, like build my technical knowledge, like encouraged me to go take that CWT exam. And he helped me along the way. There's no doubt about that. But that being said, he was still the one encouraging me to do all of these things at the rate that I did them. And I don't know if I would have been able to do that without not only his uh, efforts in helping me understand this material, but also with his urgency to, to help me get those designations. So you've been doing water treatment since your 18th birthday. Tell us a little bit about the process like you did with the Lee GA, but now for the CWT. What materials did you use? How did you know what materials to use? How did you come up with a study plan? How did you know when it was the right time to schedule the examination? Okay, yeah. So this was definitely a pretty rigorous process. There's no doubt about that, uh, especially because, you know, undoubtedly, I, I probably had less experience than some of the people who were taking the exam. I relied very, very heavily on technical material. The technical reference and training manual, I probably spent 80% of my study time with. That was absolutely my lifeline when it comes to studying for the exam. Now, I did use a handful of other sources as well, though. I used, of course, my boss and my mentor, you know, whenever I didn't understand anything or needed further clarification, uh, that was the guy that I would go to. And his answers were always extremely helpful. I would also use Google. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure in one of my favorite episodes, Jim Lukanich was telling us about it. You know, we have the luxury of having all of this really good information right in front of us, you know, on the internet, on search engines. And so, you know, of course, you have to use it wisely, but whenever I didn't understand something and just needed to explain it in a different way or something like that, I was using Google fairly frequently. And then finally, you know, my peers, I mean, there are a lot of unbelievably smart people in this industry who know way more than I probably ever will. And so I really wanted to use those people and to help me gain some more knowledge. And I really do appreciate some of the peers in the industry who, who helped me do that. When it comes to being ready to take the exam, you know, unfortunately, this probably doesn't strike as a very good answer for the uh, scaling of nation. But because, you know, I'm young and I've been going to school, I've been taking standardized exams pretty much as long as I can remember, I have sort of developed this more or less gut feeling associated with knowing whether or not I was comfortable enough with the material to take the exam. So I, once I hit that point, I scheduled the exam three weeks out from that point, allowing me to just continue to brush up and build on that knowledge that I was already pretty comfortable with. And then I was ready to rock. Uh, I think it probably took me hair over four months. Uh, I probably spent I probably spent 150 hours with that technical reference and training manual. So it definitely took a lot of work on my end, just trying to make up for that lack of experience and tribal knowledge, if you will. But uh, you know, with a lot of very material heavy studying, you can definitely get the job done. Did you go to any of the technical training classes that the AWT offers? So I did not, and that was uh, probably a mistake. I really wish that I would have. I think that that would have helped me a lot in terms of at least building that substrate or gaining familiarity with a technical reference and training manual. I think part of the reason why I had to spend so much time with it was just because it was an unbelievable amount of information. Uh, and so really uh, comprehending all of that can be very difficult to do. And, I, and so I wish I would have gone to one of those trainings just to allow me to, once I opened up that book, I just had half of an idea of what was going on. Gotcha. And, and dude, what you did worked. You passed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can't complain at the end of the day because it did work. 
So you've mentioned a couple of times, oh, and by the way, you have every opportunity as a CWT to go to technical trainings. Uh, actually, that's a great way to pick up 15 continuing education units. So keep that in your pocket. Absolutely, will do. So you had mentioned several times a mentor. And when I talk with people that either find me through my show or know me through the Association of Water Technologies, they say, what is the most important thing I can do to be a better water treater? And the first thing I always tell them is you need a mentor. Now, a lot of people don't believe that. They've never had a mentor. You have a mentor. You spoke a lot about your mentor. Can you tell the Scaling Up Nation a little bit about that relationship and ultimately why you recommend that as well? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I mean, my mentor, he's, he's been my boss the entire time I've been at Plymouth, and he's been a large knowledge source for me, and he's been a huge reason why I have the technical abilities that I do. And, you know, I feel like one of the biggest reasons why a mentor is so important is that this industry is heavily relies on experience-based knowledge. And that's not something that you can get when you're young, and it's not something that you can get out of a textbook, but you can get it from somebody who has been in the industry for decades. And so I think that that unique perspective of having that mentor and having those conversations with the mentor versus a technical reps and training manual versus Google versus even doing it yourself, I think that it can be really, really beneficial learning and understanding the information from that perspective. And I think that that's why it's as important as it is to have a mentor. Any advice you have for somebody who doesn't have a mentor and they're seeking that position to be filled? You know, one of the advantages of being a young person in this industry is that there are a lot of experienced people in this industry who are perfectly willing to help you out. And so I think that if you don't have one, it's not that hard to get one. I think that you can get out there and you can meet some of these people that can ultimately help you develop and, and ultimately become your mentor because they're out there and they're willing to do it. And I think that there are a lot of people who would be happy to do that for younger people in the industry. Yeah. And if you go to the young professionals gatherings that we have at pretty much every association of water technologies event, there are a bunch of old guys like me standing around that would love that opportunity. And I, I'm sure you saw all of us hanging around trying to pretend that we were young while you guys were having fun. <laughs> yeah, there are definitely some people who had a couple more years on me uh, in those meetings, but that's there's nothing wrong with that because like I said, that's one of the best types of people to learn from are the experienced people in the industry. So definitely glad to have them around. Chandler, let's talk about when you actually went to the testing center to take the examination. What was that like? Yeah, so, you know, just to sort of describe the basic process, you know, you pull up, you usually try and get there a little bit early because there are there's a high likelihood that there are going to be people in that testing center that are taking exams as well, probably not the CWT or may not be the CWT, but they're also in that line with you. So it's important to get there early and make sure that you're going to get your spot. And and so basically what happens is you go in, you register, and then you wait until it's the appropriate time, and then you go in. And then usually once you sit down, they, they bring you to a computer. And then once you've done that, there's usually some tutorials and instructions on using the, um, the format that you have to use to take the exam and then you can fire away. And so, you know, one thing that going into the testing center that had me a little bit on edge actually is the fact that whenever I go into other standardized exams, there are, you know, AP exams, ACTs, things like that. There are other people in the testing center taking that exact exam. And so, I don't know, there might even be like a little bit of sense of comfortability in that. But when I went into particularly to take the CWT, it was myself and one other person and that person was not taking the CWT exam. So, it felt like it was just just me 
taking the exam. And that was a little bit unnerving in that, you know, you, you sort of have that like lack of comfortability and that it's just you and the exam. And so, you know, you just kind of get over it after a while, but that is something that is different for those who are, you know, used and acclimated to taking exams in the presence of, of a lot of other people. But other than that, taking exams on computers, I really don't find it to be that big of a deal. Uh, in fact, I think you've mentioned it before, Trace, and that one of the things you can do, which is really nice, is you have all of the questions listed on the left side, and then you can flag them, and you can toggle in between them, and things like that. And so navigating the exam is a lot easier on the, on the online format. But other than that, you know, at the end of the day, though, it is still a standardized exam. So... So at the very end, it asked you, are you finished? And you hit yes. And I'm pretty sure it then pops up, are you sure? What was going through your head when you hit that button? <laughs> you know, I almost wish they didn't put that are you sure button there because it took so much out of me just to hit that one button the first time. <laughs> and, you know, it's so, so you having the luxury to be able to go back, you definitely do think about it. I don't think that I did. I, I think I ended up hitting both buttons consecutively and ending the exam. But particularly the CWT was, was probably I was more nervous about than anything else because I knew that if I didn't pass it, that printout was going to come out of the printer and that lady was going to hand it to me at the front and it was going to say that I didn't pass it. And so I knew that in 60 seconds, I knew what my fate was going to be. And so because of that, it really, really is difficult to, uh, to click that button. But at the end of the day, it ended up working out. So I'm super thankful for that. How revealing was the lady at the front counter? Did you know you passed it based on her expression or uh, was she not telling? <laughs> I actually thought that I had failed it uh, after she gave it to me. She turned it over and then she just said, have a nice day and gave it to me and didn't say congratulations or anything like that. And so I was like, oh, I don't think that I passed it. And then I turned it over and I think it almost added to the experience because I think at that point I was I was almost convincing myself that I hadn't passed it. So that when I flipped it over and saw that I did, it was it was even more exciting. Any uh, outbursts? And, you know, I don't think so. Maybe when I got to my car, uh, but not in public at least. <laughs> Fair enough. Now, who was yeah. the first person you called when you found out you passed? Uh, I think my girlfriend and my sister were the first two people that I told when I had passed. You know, those were the people who saw me studying for, you know, 150 plus hours. And they were the ones who had more of the uh, direct oversight over how hard I was working for it. So I knew that they would appreciate it. And then I went straight back to the office after I had taken the exam that morning. And all of my coworkers knew where I was at, so they were all eagerly staring out the window waiting for my car to pull in to see if I'd passed or not. So, yeah, that was kind of the chronology there. No pressure there, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, and, and I had thought about, you know, like trying to fake it and make it seem like I didn't pass or anything like that, but I was just too excited. I couldn't do it. Yeah, Connor Parrish, who was on episode eight of Scaling Up H2O, when he passed, the first person he called was his mom. The second person was me. So uh, I'm honored with oh, that. Oh, nice. And, uh, and I, I understand that mom has to get the first phone call. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can't argue with that. So how have you changed since you've received that designation? You know, it really is huge for the confidence because it's validation of how my abilities have developed and really confirmation for myself, our customers, and really my employer as well, that, you know, I have what it takes and that I can perform at the level that I need to in this industry. And that really, that's huge for, for younger people because like I was telling you, for a while, there really is a lack of comfortability associated with not feeling like you know enough to be good at what you're doing in this industry. And so once you get that designation, you can tell yourself that you do know most of what you 
you need to know and that you do have what it takes to, to be a good water treater. So I think it's really, really huge for young people to have this designation and highly encourage anybody who is on the fence about taking it, especially those who are my age, to do so because the feeling of having this behind you is, is really, really nice. Well, again, I want to applaud you. It is a huge accomplishment, no matter how old you are. And you did it, and you did it well, and you shared with the Scaling Up Nation how they can do it as well. So I want to thank you for talking about that. Absolutely. So let's pick on your age again, now that we've got that out of the way. (laughs) So you're 22 years old. What's it like being 22 in the water treatment industry? You know, it's funny because uh, the more that I think about it, the more that I really do feel like it has its advantages and it has its disadvantages. You know, some of the advantages are kind of what I talked about earlier in that when you're young, there are a lot of people in this industry who are very willing to help you out. And, you know, I noticed that at the AWT conference, just I feel like I have a lot of people who are excited to answer any questions that I have. And so that is really nice about being young is that there are a lot of experienced people who are super open to helping you out. And truthfully, I also have had other customers sort of embrace the fact that I'm young and in the industry as well. I think that they kind of appreciate working with somebody who has worked as hard, you know, as myself to to get into this position and that I'm, you know, working super hard to provide them with what I need to provide them with. And, you know, of course, just like a lot of other young water treaters, I'm sure that we've all faced a little bit of apprehension associated with, you know, going into the field as young as we are. However, I don't think that that should dissuade any young person from being in the water treatment industry because I don't think that I have met any level of apprehension that can't be subsided by doing a good job. I don't think that I've ever had somebody who has been so skeptical that even over a long period of time uh, have I not been able to, to allow them to warm up to me. So I think that even though there are some disadvantages, they're not unmanageable. I got to tell you, Chandler, I totally agree with you. Uh, I was brought into this industry by my father. And I've got a lot of early young childhood memories of him doing stuff around water treatment, but I was actually helping him with accounts when I was 16 years old. Wow! And I remember when I was in my twenties, when I was 22, I would go out and 22 is when I officially, you know, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a water treater. That, that was the mark of that. At 22, people would look at me and they would say, well, what do you know? You, you're 22 and you're <laughs> exactly right. When you can tell them what they need to hear, the fact that you care about the equipment. I didn't know everything. Like, I don't know everything now, but back then I would get the answer and I would prove to them, it didn't matter how old I was, how old you are are, we're the right people for the job. And they, from our actions, are able to accept that. Would you agree with that? I think that you're absolutely right, Trace. And I think that, you know, you will perform just like any other water treater once you sort of break that barrier and, and allow your customers to understand that you can be just as good of a water treater as anybody else, even if you are young. So, you know, I'm a fan of the Back to the Future series. Do you even know what that is? Uh, you know, I do, but uh, it's uh, fond memories here, Trace. <laughs> You're killing me, Chandler. You're killing me. Well, it was a movie about going back in time and also forward in time later when they did the second one. So they had this awesome DeLorean, and that's my dream car to have a DeLorean and outdo it like uh, like the Back to the Future movies. Haven't done it yet. I've got a model in my office, but I digress. So we are now getting into the DeLorean. We are moving forward in time to you at my age, which is 43, what would 43-year-old Chandler say to 22-year-old Chandler? (laughs) 
Uh, it would probably be to pump the brakes and slow down a little bit. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of as of right now, ready to move on to the next thing. The moment that I finished the one, you know, I mean, I went straight from undergrad to the CWT, CWT to lead GA, and then lead GA back to grad school. So I don't think that this is sustainable long term. So I think that in 20 years from now, I won't have the energy to keep this up. Well, I commend you for all you're doing. It is impressive. And uh, you walk the walk and talk the talk. So what advice, since you've accomplished so much, would you give to someone who is just starting in the water treatment industry today? The biggest thing is that there are tons of incredibly smart people in this industry that know everything that you need to know and are willing to share that information with you. So make those connections, ask questions, and be curious because, like I said, this industry is complex and it's difficult to get there on your own and it's difficult to get there quickly. And so I think that if you just you know work hard and, and make those connections with people and learn as much as you possibly can, you'll increase that level of comfortability and then I think you'll find your home in this industry. Now, what advice would you give a college student that's considering water treatment? try it. You have to try it in order to really understand what this industry is about. In fact, I would say that it probably took me four months before I decided that I was really enjoying myself in the water treatment industry. It's not something that you can look at on a flyer or on a postcard or something like that and say, this looks like something that I want to do. And so I think that just evolving yourself and giving it a crack, I think that that is the biggest thing that you can do in terms, in terms of getting yourself involved in the industry and enjoying yourself in the industry. Well, let's unpack that a little bit. What happened in four months to allow you to know that you were enjoying water treatment? You know, I think that it's when I finally came around and felt like I was developing the skills that I needed to have in order to do my job effectively. You know, and it, because you don't learn directly about water treatment in school, you really do have to spend a pretty good chunk of time learning the specifics about the water treatment industry. And I think that it takes months, well, at least like me months, to get a level of information and a level of knowledge that I felt comfortable with being in this industry. So I think that that's kind of the biggest thing is the fact that it is the fact that you sort of have this disconnect between what you learned in school and what you need to know in the industry. But once you've crossed that bridge, then you're usually off to the races. Well, Chandler, we never got out of the DeLorean. We're still in the DeLorean and we're heading to the lightning round section. Okay, let's do it. All right. So we are now setting the time circuits backwards. We went forward before just so everybody's keeping up. Now we're going backwards and it is your first day as a water treater. With the experience that you have now, what advice would you give yourself on your first day? You know, I think this kind of comes full circle with all the things that I've been saying before, and it's that don't feel like you need to know everything immediately. You know, I, I felt that discomfort associated with the feeling like I didn't know enough, but if, and, and it can be overwhelming being a new water treater, water treater for that reason, but if you work hard at it, your abilities will come and your knowledge will fall into place, and it did for me, and I think it would for everybody else, but you know, in addition to that, Saying I don't know is not a bad answer. And that is something that I didn't realize until I was in the industry for a little while, is that I don't think that there are very many people who are going to be upset with you if you say, I don't know, this is what I think it is, but I need to go back and do some more research or recon to give you a definite answer. 
I felt like I had to have all of the answers between the years every single time that somebody asked me a question. And I realized that that was just unrealistic and that I, you know, I shouldn't have to subject myself to that type of, uh, to that type of knowledge base. And so when I realized that I had the luxury of being able to go back and just work hard and gain my knowledge that all of that stuff would fall into place and that I would still be doing my job effectively. And so I think that that would be the biggest thing for me starting out. I love that answer. I think everybody has this little voice inside their head that tells them they're supposed to know everything about everything. And if I presume that the customer thinks that I don't know everything about everything, I'm going to lose that business or they're going to think poorly of me. And that's just not the case. No, it absolutely isn't the case. And in fact, I think that sometimes they almost appreciate if you say, I don't know, but I'm going to go find out for you because that means that you're extending that effort, taking more of your time offsite and dedicating it to finding an answer specifically for them. So I think that I would almost go as far as saying sometimes that customers appreciate that answer over knowing it on the spot. I will tell you for a fact that I have relationships with customers because I did not know the answer and we were still in the trust building part of our relationship and they asked me something and I said, look, I'm going to be honest with you. I've never seen this before, but I'm going to go back and research it and I'll find an answer. I made a commitment to them that I was going to do something and then I came back, I fulfilled that commitment and we were able to fix the issue. I think that weighs a lot more than if I were just able to spout out some sort of knowledge and then walk away. I agree with you, Trace. I mean, of course, it sounds cool when you have the answer, you know, right offhand. But at the same time, like I said, when you extend that effort, I really do think that our customers appreciate knowing that you're willing to put in that effort back in the office, back in the lab or wherever you need to do it to get that answer for your customer. And we're in a very complex industry. That's why I know you love water treatments. The reason I love water treatment, we're never bored. If we're bored, we're doing something wrong. I know you've heard me say that on the show, but I have never seen the same thing twice. And because of how dynamic our industry is, there's no way we can know everything. So I got to tell you, I love that answer. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's just funny that the more that you're in the industry, the more that you realize how much information you don't know. And so, you know, I feel like that's what keeps it interesting is that you're continuously aware of the fact that you have to learn more and more information. And that's what keeps me in the game every day. My dad told me, and I've said it on the show, but I'll say it again since I have the opportunity, the day that I felt I knew everything about these industry was the day I needed to find another industry. <laughs> that hits the nail right on the head, Trace. All right. So moving on, you're a pretty smart dude. So we all want to know what you're reading. So what are the last three books that you've read? <laughs> all right. So uh, I read a climate science book called Unstoppable by Bill Nye. And then I read How Successful People Think. I think this was a John C. Maxwell book. And, and I really do recommend this one because you know, I don't know if it's on Audible or not. I don't use Audible, uh, but probably will shortly, but don't use it right now. Um, but it's a, it's almost like a pocketbook. It's like 100 pages of just jam-packed information that's very, very, very good information in terms of getting you to start thinking the way that you need to think in order to be successful. I really liked that book a lot, and it's a quick read. So for that reason, for people who are low on time, I think that it's a, it's a fantastic book to pick up. And then the final one won't come to a surprise from the people who know me uh, because I'm super huge into, uh, into birds and, and bird watching. But uh, I read a book on advanced bird identification. I was just really trying to uh, take my skills to the next level on that one. So yeah, that was the last one that I read. 
the Scaling Up Nation had no idea, and now they know. <laughs> now uh, they an know. An ornithologist, is that what you call a person? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. An ornithologist. So yeah. So I guess if anybody in the Scaling Up Nation needs any help with bird identification, then they know where to go. Now you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, obviously, you've accomplished so much already. You're going to continue accomplishing like that. Hollywood's going to know about it. They're going to write a movie about your life. Who plays Chandler Mancuso? You know, I have been told by multiple people, I don't see it, but I have been told by multiple people that I look like Dave Franco. And so I, I can say that now that you mentioned that. Really? Yeah, that will work. <laughs> you know, and now that I have shorter hair, I think I had a little bit longer hair when I was at the AWT conference trace. But now that I have shorter hair, I feel like that's when more people make the comment. But uh, yeah, so I guess if I were to pick somebody, I'd pick, uh, I'd pick Dave Franco. I feel like I can't pick anybody else. Everybody thinks I look like him. I can see that now. Oh, that's so funny. All right. Last question. So now you have the ability to talk to anybody throughout history. Who would it be with and why? You know, you're like 50-something episodes deep now, I think, Trace, so it's hard to stay uh, original, but I think that I can do it. I don't think I've heard anybody say this one yet. I want to go with Stephen Hawking. And this is kind of a recent one, actually. And I feel like the reason why I want to go with Stephen Hawking is that I read a handful of his books as well uh, back in high school and like early college. And what I learned is that he was so incredibly smart because he could conceptualize things that were so big and so small compared to the human scale that he could understand those in so much depth that he could understand them better than anybody else. And I think that when it comes to chemistry and when it comes to water treatment systems, sometimes you have to do that. Sometimes you have to imagine things that are bigger than what you can see. And sometimes you have to imagine things on the molecular level that are smaller that you can see. And so if I could get any insights as to how he did that so well, I think I could be a better water treater. That is a great answer. And it's also an original answer that has never been said before on Scaling Up. Glad to hear it. Yeah. So extra points for that one. <laughs> nice. All right, Chandler. Hey, this has been awesome. Is there anything you want to leave the Scaling Up Nation with? So somebody just tuned in at this moment in time, what's the one thing you want to leave the nation with? If I want to leave the Scaling Up Nation with anything, I think that it would be that for those who are looking to take the CWT exam, it is doable. There are advantages to being young, and I think that anybody can step up to that exam, and if they do what they need to do, they can take it and they can pass it. And in addition to that, anybody can find their way into this industry if they find the right resources and they put the work in and they spend some time in the industry. The Scaling Up Nation appreciates that advice, and I appreciate you coming on Scaling Up H2O. Thanks so much, man. This was fun. Oh, thank you, Trace. I appreciate you having me as well. Scaling Up Nation, I'm sure you could tell that that was very exciting for me to interview Chandler Mancuso. Chandler, you did all the work yourself, and when you came up to me at the AWT convention, you thanked me for the podcast and said that that was a nudge that helped you a little bit. I love it when people say that, but buddy, you did all the work and I absolutely love it when people come up to me and say that they are making this industry better by learning all they can, by getting the certified water technologist designation and doing all the things that you need to do to be competent, to be confident and to be the best that you can in the water treatment industry. Buddy, you are an example of that. I want to thank you for that. 
that. We talked a little bit about age, and I got to tell you, I didn't get into it a lot when we were talking in the interview because I didn't want to give Chandler a complex, but I started out in this industry extremely young. I was helping my father with accounts when I was 16 years old. Now, I didn't officially start becoming where I say a full-fledged water treater where I had tax documents and all that stuff until I was 22, but in that time, I remember people just did not respect. Now, I'm not talking about 16 now. I'm talking about 22, the same age that Chandler is now. People would discredit me because of my age. They never gave me the benefit of the doubt because I had always been in the water treatment industry. My father would teach me things. He would make it fun. So I really didn't know I was learning when I was growing up. And it today has turned into the most awesome career that I can imagine. I can't imagine doing anything else. I can't imagine loving anything else as much as I do what I do now. So with that, I want to speak to members of the Scaling Up Nation that might be a little older, like myself. By the way, I'm 43 years old, so I'm not ancient. But I have seen firsthand how people treat younger people who are trying to make a career for themselves. So they should be doing everything that another water treater is doing, but because they are trying to be professional, and at any age we're doing this, but if they're trying to be professional, they're trying to find the answers, they're making sure that they're working well with you, they're working well for you. And I would ask that you give people the space so they can develop. Now, Chandler, we had a conversation after our interview when we were waiting for everything to upload. And he really hasn't had the same experiences that I had when I was younger, when I was working with my father. I sort of had two things that were working against me. One, I got the job because of my father. And then two, I was 22 years old. Now, by the way, I was the best service technician my father ever had because my father trained me. And that's why I got the job. And there were many, 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 many other people before me that could not do the work that I could do at 22, but people just did not give me the benefit of the doubt. And I had to overcompensate for that by making sure I was always on top of my game. I was always making commitments and I was always fulfilling those commitments. Now, if you take away the fact that I was 22, I think we should all be doing that. So I say this because there's nothing different depending on how old we are. We're all water treaters. We all start out at one point so those that are younger in the industry, keep doing what you're doing. Keep striving for excellence. You know, something I like to say is the industry is better because you are in it. Well, folks, you don't have to be 22 to do that. At 43, I try to do that every day. And some of my mentors are in their 60s. I know they try to do that every day. So age, let's take that out of the equation. Let's just work on making the industry better. Now, of course, one of the ways you can show that you're committed to this industry and you can make the industry better is by getting your certified water technologist designation. 
Now we talked a lot last year about the CWT challenge. Well, it's December again, and I'm going to bring the CWT challenge again to the Scaling Up Nation, because folks, I gotta tell you, I had 142 people contact me to say that they were dedicated to get their CWT. And when I had the privilege of speaking with the individuals who receive their CWT, at the AWT convention a couple of months ago, I shook each one of their hands and I thanked them for making the industry better. They also got a really cool scaling up t-shirt. Now you heard that last week when we interviewed the CWTs. So of course Chandler was one of those and you see why Chandler is such an impressive guy. Now we also talked about Audible and I would be doing a disservice to the Scaling Up Nation if I did not mention Audible again because folks I know we all want to read more but we can't read more because we're busy driving from account to account. Well, this is a way when you're not listening to this podcast to learn more information. So simply go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash audible. You'll get a free month, you'll get a free book, and you can try it out for yourself. Again, this is how I read 35 books a year. And folks, I'm actually on target to reading 43 this year. I get a lot of my information from reading. It definitely makes me a better person. It makes me better at every endeavor that I do because I'm now learning from other people's experiences. And of course, it helps me on this podcast bring more guests and more information to you. So if there's a challenge, I would say get your CWT. And the second challenge is to read more in 2019. By the way, if you haven't already, you can go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash CWT, and you can get my five tips in taking the CWT. These are some things where I have interviewed people that have passed the examination and asked, what have you done that has really helped you? And I condense those into five tips, and those are yours for free by simply going on the site and filling out the information there. So I hope you will help me raise this industry even higher than it is now. Something else Chandler mentioned was the lead GA. Folks, if you're like Chandler and you're just out of school, you are in that mindset to take standardized tests. So for you people out there that are involved in academia, currently or just recently, use that to your ability and go ahead and start taking some of the examinations that we mentioned on this show. For those of you that have been out of it for a while, a great way to start getting back into that line of study and getting your mind focused on standardized testing is to take the LEAD Green Associate examination. That will put some credentials behind your name, but more importantly, as a water treater, that will help you speak that common language that I spoke of with building owners and managers and allow you to come up with the proper water treatment program for today and also into the future as they're taking their building to get LEED certified. Now, if you want more information about that, you can go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash LEED GA. That will take you to an affiliate link we have with Charlie Cicchetti's company, and it will tell you everything you need to know, what to study for, what to do to get that lead GA. 
And my advice is after you get that, you then start taking the CWT seriously because that was a warm up for the CWT. Folks, the last thing I'm going to talk about is the fact that Chandler said his mentor was so important to him. I know you have heard me say on this show, my mentors, yes, plural, it takes a village to make a water treater like this. And it is an endeavor that never ends. So thank you for all those people out there that help me be a better water treater each and every day. If you are doing this alone, you're doing it wrong. There's so much information out there and it's changing every day. Don't blaze that trail by yourself. There are people out there that want to help you. You may just not have met them yet. So put yourselves into a situation where you start meeting people that are going to help you with your career. Those are things like going to industry trainings, going to conventions, going to committee meetings on the local level, things that touch the water treatment industry in some way or another, and that's how you're going to meet people. If you don't have a mentor because you don't know somebody to be your mentor, you're not working enough to find that mentor mentor so you can fill that position. Folks, one last time, I could not do what I do on a daily basis had it not been for the people who have helped me along the way. My father being one of those, and I'll just mention them again, Jay Farmery and Bruce Ketrick, those individuals have been awesome in helping me become the water treater that I am. So folks, we've got a couple of more shows in December. I hope that you enjoy everything I'm bringing to you. And the only way I know to bring you that is for you to let me know what it is that you want to hear. And I need your questions by doing a weekly episode. I'm definitely running out of questions a lot sooner. So please calm me down. Let me know that we have a flow of questions coming in and I will forever have a podcast because you're helping me bring it to the Scaling Up Nation because you are the Scaling Up Nation. And Nation, I look forward to talking with you next week.